everyone thanks for joining us at the jesus famous podcast i'm really excited about today's episode i've got a special guest with me pastor tony clark who's the pastor of calvary chapel newport news in virginia has been pastoring that church since he began it in 1994. tony i saw in your bio that you were a marine is that accurate to say that you were a Marine or is it like a once a Marine, always a Marine? Kind of right. Thing? You're, you're right. So when, when you, if had you left it, uh, at, uh, I heard you were a Marine, I would have been like, okay, let's stop. I still am a Marine. I'm just, so I say I am a former Marine. And what I mean by that, I'm former active duty. I'm always a Marine. Once a Marine, always a Marine. And uh, right now, my body is just a little padded up right now. Is there still a Marine under there? But he's just padded up right now. Now, every once in a while, when you're leading your your church team, you're leading your staff, does anybody have to remind you, hey, you're not in the Marines anymore, man? Uh, No, you know what? No, because... um, our area is a huge military area, right? Everyone at our church is either connected to the military. Uh, they either retired, they're active duty, or they are uh, what we call double dipping. They're doing out of uniform what they did in uniform. And so, and they're connected to the government or to the shipyard. So uh, everyone is military oriented. I give them a hard time because I'm one of the only Marines, uh, but uh, I have people all around me, guys on our board that are uh, colonels, lieutenant colonels. They uh, and they all retired right now, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, so we we have a good military. So I can keep my military bearing, and and they they're they're right there with me uh, because they all they all and many of them are retired. So they did twenty plus years. Uh, in the military. Well, I love it, man. Out here in Monterey, we have uh, a couple of military schools, a Naval Postgraduate School, where we have oh. a lot of officers coming through. Oh, okay. And then okay. the Defense Language Institute, where it's mostly enlisted who are learning languages, you know, for uh, the different branches of the military. Wow. Wow. So I, when I saw that I got a chance to chat with you, I was excited because I, <laughs> if we have time at the end, I would love to ask you some questions about ministering in that kind of context. Oh, you know, definitely. The, the unique uh, yes. situations. It is. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. And, and I would just say this at the beginning is that um, you have to get accustomed to having a new, um, basically a new congregation every three years, mm-hmm. because every three years they, they come in and then they get to get shipped out. Uh, Uncle Sam pays for them to be a missionary somewhere around the country or around the world. So you, the core, there's a core that will stay the same, but the outside, that will change every three years. And just say, for example, someone finds our church after already being here two years. That means that we only have them for one year and they have to go, uh, they have to go. And here's the term that I've learned. I've learned to love people loosely. And what I mean by that is that I love them, but I can't hold on to them tight because Uncle Sam and the government is gonna ship them off somewhere. 
That's so great. I mean, I think that perspective that God has given to you, it's kind of becoming normal now because people don't live places for very long. So what you've learned are good lessons for the rest of us who maybe have had people that stay in town for 15 or 20 years. It's not like that anymore. No, Nate, it's not like that anymore at all. So I think a lot of people have to adopt um, this um, military area mindset uh, in the sense that um, you, you get them, you teach them the word of God and then um, ship them out. They're going to be shipped out either on their own or the military, Uncle Sam, somebody, they're going to be gone. They're going to get a promotion uh, and a job that moved them, relocating them to Texas and all kinds of stuff. So we have to uh, learn to love them loosely, love them, but don't try to hold on too tight to them because they could be gone. Or you can say something they don't like and poof, they're gone. Well, that that sets up a great question that I want to ask you. But let me let me set up this whole episode a little bit for people who are tuning in and listening. Why why today do we have Tony Clark on the Jesus Famous podcast? Our church, Calvary Monterey, our vision is to see Jesus famous, Jesus yeah, yeah, glorified, yeah. honored, esteemed. Yeah, that's our vision. Uh, but. We are part of the Calvary Global Network, a a Mm -hmm. network of churches that are Calvary Chapel in essence and core and value. And this summer, we're going to get together for our annual international conference. And we have various speakers who are going to come and share with us at the main session and then lots of workshops covering more minor subjects. But Pastor Tony, you're going to be sharing one of the main sessions. And you are going to be talking about the gospel from cover to cover. Yes. What's yes. that word going to be about? Oh, you know, I'm looking forward to it because one of the one of the uh, bedrocks of of Calvary Chapels is teaching uh, the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse, book by book, from Genesis to Revelations. That's just who we are. And, and and that that about us will never change. And so we're teaching uh, the Bible and Jesus himself, he said, uh, he says, basically, you know, in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God, in in Hebrews 10, verse seven. And so we know in the volume of the book, it is about him. And then he said in John 5 and verse 39, says, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they that testify of me. Mm-hmm. And, and then he went down and right around verse 46 of chapter 5, he said, you know, because they always boasted of being Moses' disciples. He said, Moses wrote about me. So Jesus said he's in the volume of the book. Jesus said you can search the scriptures. And the amazing thing about the word search, uh, that Greek word for search, it speaks of how a a dog is uh, smelling the scent of blood. And, and he's following the sin of blood. And so, too, we should search the scriptures like we following the sin of the blood of Jesus. And because he said he is throughout the Bible. So no matter where we are in the Bible, we should be able to preach Jesus and preach the gospel because he is in every uh, metaphor, every example, every feast day. He's in all of it. It all speaks of him. 
Amen. Well said, brother. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's, that's definitely an aim that we have here in our church, you know, trying to teach the word that way. Yeah. Let me ask yeah. you, you know, you mentioned at the top just about the limited amount of time that you have with your people. And I think this is one of those struggles that a lot of modern Calvary oriented pastors have is, Hey man, I might not have 20 years or 15 years to take us a, a person in the church from Genesis to revelation. Have you changed anything in your style over the years? As you've noticed, gosh, I have people for about three years. I mean, some of those verse by verse styles, you know, you could be in Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah for those three years that they're there. Do you just call it what it is and deal with it? Or is there anything that you've done to try to mix it up? You know, it's funny that you ask that because that is a tremendous question and something that I'm reevaluating. Here it is. I'm almost 30 years of being here and I'm reevaluating that because at first I wanted to give the people a good sample of what the Bible says. Like, for instance, uh, Pastor Chuck. Uh, He taught the Bible through in two years one time, covering 10 to 15 chapters a week. He taught the Bible that way. And each time he taught it, he slowed down because the church was maturing and they needed more meat instead of just the milk of the word. They needed the meat of the word. So he slowed down. And so I saw as our church I was maturing and getting older that I had to slow down. Now, what I'm about to say now may sound like a lot, uh, but I, I'm, I'm going to make the point. Like when I first started, I, I did a I did a chapter, one chapter in Paul's epistles on Sunday morning. When we had a Sunday night service, I, I did the Gospels. I did two chapters of the Gospels on Sunday night. And then I overviewed the Old Testament on Wednesdays. I did four to seven chapters on a Wednesday. Now, that sounds like insane today for me to even say that. But that was a four year, two month pace of going through the Bible at that clip, at that speed. Right. So I, I saw that the people were grasping it. They were maturing. And then I had to slow down. So instead of. Uh, you know, one chapter, I just covered some verses mm-hmm. and I had to slow down. So that that meant that I couldn't cover as much Bible as I could. Now, I thought about at one time I said, OK, if the people are here three years, I'm going to make sure I take them through the whole Bible in three years. That is just an insane idea for me to think about today, because I will have to cover Probably two to four chapters on a Sunday morning. Uh, We don't have a Sunday night service, so I have to cover 10 to 15 chapters on a Wednesday. It's just insane. I couldn't do that today. So um, uh, so I had to do some reevaluating because even in the Old Testament, I slowed down to where I was spending two chap two two weeks in a chapter 
in the Old Testament. I said, look, I wanted to get through the Old Testament before the rapture. So I said, I got to speed up. And, and me speeding up, I can only get through one chapter. I tried to get through two. So I'm struggling with this. So I have to reevaluate this sort of thing uh, because I definitely don't want to just shove material down their throats. I want to make sure that they're properly fed and nourished and given a good balanced diet. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm reevaluating these things uh, even today. I, I, I'm in the book of Romans on Sunday mornings and uh, and I knew I was going to creep through that book. And I said, you know what? I got to I got to speed up a little bit. So I'm trying to spend no more than two weeks in a chapter. And even that has been just bananas, you know? So I, I'm learning um, to reevaluate some things, especially in this post-quarantine era, uh, if I can call it that. Uh, I, I'm trying to, I'm reevaluating everything. I just told our staff this morning, I'm, I'm reevaluating everything because this is the thing that I, I want to I say, and I'm sorry I'm going on, but this is the thing that I want to say. Um, I was I was delusional for a long time because I thought in teaching the people chapter by chapter, verse by verse, book by book from Genesis to Revelation, teaching them Sunday mornings and Wednesdays, Sunday mornings, the New Testament, um, uh, Wednesdays, the Old Testament. I thought that I was maturing the people and I thought and I was delusional that I was discipling the people. And that was not the case. Giving them a sermon is not discipling the people. And I'm telling you, my eyes were opened um, that many of them were just hearers of the word and not doers. And I said, we got to reevaluate how we are maturing the church and how we're discipling God's people. And so th that's just a, a kind of a post quarantine situation that we're looking at here in Newport news. I, I think you probably are speaking for a lot of Calvary guys when you say that, I mean, for one, it's really encouraging to hear someone who's been at it for three decades now. Yeah. You're still saying, yeah. Hey, I, I'm still learning. Yeah. I'm still adjusting. I'm trying to yeah. improve. I'm trying yes. to stuck in yeah. my ways. Uh, but I think it, we're in a teaching heavy movement, right? We are. We, we lean are. on that pulpit. We believe yeah. in the word of God and yes. the proclamation of it. And, it. and to get into the mentality that the preaching of the word is part of the discipleship process it is. in someone's life, but it's not the end all be all. There's more yes. that has to happen. What a great lesson that, that you're learning. So I wanted to ask you, you know, as you... <clears throat> have watched i mean starting a church in 94 yeah it's 2022 the world has changed quite a bit yes and one yes. of the things that's changed a lot is technology you know back in the day if you wanted to hear a study on genesis chapter one you kind of had to hope that your pastor would cover it <laughs> <laughs> yes or oh, i had to purchase a cassette <laughs> yeah. now you know you just google that and you're gonna get probably world-class results and some not so world-class results right there on yeah. that first page of no the, doubt. Uh, google search result has that changed at all has that been involved in you changing your pace a little bit 
No, that wasn't in my mindset okay. as far as um, the the pace. Uh, but I want to make sure that I'm uh, giving the people a meal from the word of God um, that is well prayed over, well studied, um, because they can easily click on some of the best teachers and Bible teachers in the world. Yeah. So I want to make sure that I'm t- handling God's word in, in such a way that I'm feeding the people uh, because if, if we don't, if we don't feed them right, they are going to click on somebody else and they have the top guys out there to click, click on to. And here's the thing, no matter what we're feeding them, they're clicking on these guys anyway. Right. The ones that are serious about the, the word, they're clicking on right. them and, and making comparisons and all kind of other stuff. We live in a, a different time today. Yeah, you got to bring your A game at oh, all times, do. right? Yeah. Oh, you do. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. Let me ask you, you know, you're, you're going to be talking about, like you said, the gospel from cover to cover, seeing Jesus everywhere in scripture. Um, what are some of the, the tactics that you use as you're reading through passages of scripture or studying passages of scripture that might not seem obviously about Jesus. I mean, it's one thing when you're in the gospels, there sure, he is, sure, but sure. in some of those obscure places in the old Testament, I think about people yeah. in our church listening to this and you know, they're reading through first Samuel or yeah. second yeah. Kings or judges. And, you know, where's Jesus there? What do you mean that Jesus is from book to book? How do you go through the process of seeing Christ in the entire scripture? That, that's good because it's, it's just like he says, search the scriptures for them. You think you have eternal life. I'm searching for the blood of Christ. Mm. A lot of people are not. A lot of people may not see him. Uh, in certain pages of scripture. And I'm not trying to practice some kind of eisegesis and all kind of other mm-hmm. stuff like that. No, Jesus said he's in the volume of the book. Then I have to pray and ask him to show me where he is from the tabernacle to the lampstand. He said in John eight twelve, I'm the light of the world. Uh, you know, so in every type and metaphor, uh, uh, Isaac being a type of Christ, um, you know, um, being about, you know, about to be offered on Mount Moriah, the same Mount Jesus was offered on. So we can see him if we're just looking for him. We can see him as the Kingsman Redeemer in the book of Ruth. We, we can see him if we're looking for him. He will begin to show up and show us who he is. Um, you know, uh, um, Joshua said, you know, are you for us or against us when the angel came? He said, neither. Or as, a, as the old King James, he said, no. <laughs> and he said, look, I'm the, uh, I'm a captain of the army of the Lord. And so we know that is a Christophany, a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. So if you're looking for him, you'll find him. He'll, he'll reveal himself to those who are, are looking for him. So it is our job as Bible teachers to show him and help the people to see Jesus because that is just like in John 12, they came up, you know, uh, and they said, we wish to see Jesus. And that's when people come to church, we as pastors have to understand that basically these people are saying, we wish to see Jesus. Mm-hmm. I had an experience recently where I prepared 
a teaching. It was ready to go for Sunday or so I thought. And as I ruminated over it, I realized this is, this is moralism. I haven't drawn them to Christ. Okay. I'm, I'm loading up burden, burdens on everybody. And the text that I was teaching from had some strong imperatives in it. Sure, it, sure. It, it had some instructions for all of us yeah. to be sure. Yeah. But the spirit just helped me remember, hey, what, what about pretty much everyone there who will have failed this yeah. text in one yeah. way or another, probably yeah. in the recent past? How are you going to bring them to Jesus? And it just gotcha. it helped me. Do you have something like that where in your sermon prep, you're kind of asking that question, how do I get the Lord into this sermon? I have to constantly ask myself that. that Nate, that's so good because you're right. I can easily, um, because one thing that I'm big on I'm big on the practical application of the scriptures. I think and I've gone around and told um, uh, and spoke at pastors conferences around the country. And one of the things that I, I, I constantly hit on, I say, look, Calvary Chapel pastors, we do a great job in telling them what the Bible says. And I think we do a great job at that, but we don't tell them how it applies to our lives. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing is just giving them heady Bible knowledge. And we're turning our people into Pharisees who are just heady knowledge. But I said, the people here where we are, okay, yes, it's great to know that it's 16.9 miles from Jerusalem to Jericho. I said, but the people here want to know, well, what am I going to do with that? So how, how does the Bible speak to my situation? My husband just left me for his secretary and left me with four kids. What does the Bible have to say about that? So I'd say you guys do a great job in telling them to every, every sermon must answer two questions. What do you want them to know? And number two, what do you want them to do? Now that you told them what you want them to know, what do you want them to do with that information? So that's where the practical side, practical application, you have to show them that this Bible applies to their everyday life or they never want to read it. And they're definitely not going to do it because you didn't show them how to do it. So I'm constantly telling. So my dilemma with that is I can lean heavy on a lot of application, but I'm also heavy on information as well. But one thing that sometimes I can miss out on is the Christ portion. And so this message is not only for everybody else, it's, for, it's a reminder for me as well. I have to remember Christ because that's what it comes down to. Yeah, that's so good. When I'm trying to explain this to people in our fellowship, you know, people kind of look at you funny, like, you know, the whole Bible, it's all about Jesus. You know, you kind of nod your head at first, but then you start thinking, how is that? So I always use the story of David and Goliath. I say, yeah, "Yeah, I'm sure you've all heard messages about how David killed Goliath and God can help us slay the giants in our lives. Sure, But I always point them and I say, but have you ever thought about maybe that passage is pointing to a greater giant killer than David who slayed the giant that we could not slay. Yes. And death. And now we're running in his victory, just like those 
soldiers that were cowardly up on the hill. Yes, yes, yes. Ran in David's victory. We're running in Jesus's victory today. And it just kind of helps people kind of. No, no, that's oh, good. That's okay. Jesus, I got to get. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I like that. And, and I'm going to make sure when I use it, I give you the credit. Uh, but I, I like that. That's, that's really good uh, how you put that because we all have said and taught about, you know, God can help us be giant killers as well um, because we all have giants in our lives. But pointing that to Jesus and showing the connection between Jesus slaying our giant that we couldn't and we, we run in, in his victory. I like that. I'm going to use that, my brother, and I'm going to give you the credit. Well, don't credit me because I'm sure I stole it from somebody. And let me, let me ask you, uh, you know, just thinking about folks that are listening to this who maybe they're not in church leadership. They're just listening to the podcast, but they, they love the Lord. They want to walk with him. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us for a little bit just about your own personal time in the word? We've been talking about sermon preparation and studying for sermons and all of that. Yeah. But what is yeah. your personal time in the word look like uh, when it's at its best? You know, yeah, these sure. are Tony Clark's best practices. Uh, how do you yeah. get into the word? Yeah, for, for me is that there's a huge difference in uh, being in the word personally and being in the word for a sermon. We all know that there's different, a, a difference. And many guys that's in ministry, they think that because they are preparing for a message that they they're in the word. Now, you're in the word for a message, but God cares more about the minister than the ministry. God cares about us. That's why First uh, Timothy four sixteen says, "Take heed to yourself and to the ministry, for in doing so you will save both yourself and those who hear you." So he said, "Take heed to yourself." We we have to be personally in the word. So I I challenge myself in different ways and times that I go through the word. I am a, a volume reader. I, 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 I go through the word devotionally to just get the word uh, in me. Um, and and um, so I would read like, for instance, um, last year, I just I did. I just focused on going through the New Testament as many times as I could for the year. Um, and just making sure that I just get that in there. And then I've got to think it. Well, you know, we always talk about you should at least every Christian should at least read the Bible, the entire Bible one time a year. I said, I can't neglect that Old Testament. So this year, my focus is on the Old Testament. And so I'm volume reading the Old Testament, being reminded of those stories and stuff. And so I'm not doing word studies and all that kind of stuff. It's something I don't understand. And I'm like, you know what? What's the Hebrew word for this to help me understand this better? I may look up the word and kind of scribble it in my Bible or whatever, but I'm just volume reading okay. and just getting that word uh, in me. Now, there was a method that really helped me. Um, a friend of mine showed me this about 30 years ago uh, where um, let's say I took the book of James and, and I would read chapter one. I would read it, reread it. And then if a verse stood out to me, I memorized it. Okay. And then um, at night, I read that chapter again. 
If another verse stood out to me, I memorize that. If not, I just keep going. The next day I go to chapter two, do the same thing. And we know there's five chapters, um, five chapters in James. So at the end of the week, I will know the book of James and I will know a verse from each chapter of the book of James. And so by doing that, every book in the New Testament, this is how I term, this is the the words I use. Every book had a flavor to it. Mm. So when I heard a verse and I would say, oh no, that's something in Philippians. And then in my mind, I would go through chapters one, two, three, and four. I'd say, oh no, that's in chapter two. Oh, oh, let this mind be in you. Oh, that's verse five. And so, and, and I did that with the entire New Testament. So that would mean that there are verses that I know throughout the New Testament because of that one little method uh, that I did. Now, I don't use that method any longer. Once again, I focus on volume reading. But when I had time, uh, let me say about 30 years ago, when I had more time to focus on that kind of concentrated study, that was a huge help. For me to, and because I would hear a verse immediately, that's Hebrews, or that's wow. John, or that's Philippians, or and that's Ephesians, my favorite book. That's Ephesians. So, and then I would scan those chapters and say, ah, that's chapter three. Oh, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. That's verse 17. Mm-hmm. So, and that has really helped me uh, over the years. That's great. You sound like a real make a plan, stick with the plan kind of guy. I, I, I am. And, and I'm very focused. I'm very, you know, the Marine Corps, you know, helped me with that as well. And so when I when I get in my mind that I'm going to do something, yeah, I have to try to carry that out. So how does that um, color your uh, sermon prep time then? If you if you could overview that for those of us who are either pastors or we want to share the word in various contexts. How do you prepare a sermon, say a Sunday sermon? Okay, so for me, uh, you know, I, I'm old school. I'm not new school like you guys, Nate. I told you technology is not not a friend of mine's yet. Uh, I still pull books off the shelf. Uh, and I still hand write my sermons. Can you wow. believe that? Wow. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I sound like Fred Flintstone in the Stone Age. <laughs> so I still hand write my sermons. And so I will, um, you know, read over, pray over the uh, verses that I'm going to do. Um, and, um, and then I come up, you know, pray and ask the Lord to give me a title. And then from the title, uh, that will be the main focus of the verses that I'm, I'm dealing with. And so even though I'm dealing with maybe four or five verses, uh, the, the, the verse that stood out that I need to focus on that the title was made off of, that will be uh, the, the main point. And so, uh, as far as the, the technical, um, you got the intro, you give your three points, you got the body, you give your three points in the body, and then the conclusion, you tell them what you just told them. I'm not, I don't quite follow that, even though that is the correct way to do it. Uh, but I, I kind of get close to, to that sort of method. And so I make sure that with the commentaries that I'm, I'm in line with some good sound doctrine, um, you know, uh, uh, 
uh, and the Bible talks about, uh, you know, walking with wise men. And, um, you know, uh, and so that's how I kind of had those checks and balances uh, with guys who I um, uh, respect and um, and glean and glean from. So that's kind of the, the short version of yeah, you know, how good. I do things. So when you're preparing your sermon and handwriting it, yes. do you uh, write out your whole sermon in its entirety? Yes, I'm old school. Some yeah. people just say, I just write an outline down. Ah, no, I, I write out the whole sermon. And so uh, what I do is I do the sermon for Sunday. I would do it on Monday. And then uh, Tuesday, I would do Wednesday's uh, midweek service on Tuesday. Thursday, I get reintroduced back into Sunday sermon. Friday, I'm going over it again. Saturday, I'm going over it again. Uh, Saturday night, I'm going over it again. Sunday morning at zero dark 30, as I'm over at the church, I'm going over it and you will be surprised. So the sermon that I came up with on Monday looks a lot different by Sunday morning. The stuff mm-hmm. that uh, God added, the stuff that uh, was scratched out, uh, yeah, scratched out because I'm high hand right. <laughs> so, and the stuff that God adds really is just amazing. And then once it get up, I get up there. The Spirit of God has me say things to one service I didn't say to the other service. You know right. how it goes. You know yeah. how that goes. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I mean, I've watched some of your teaching, and it doesn't come off like a man reading a paper to oh, a group oh, yes, of people yes, yes. at all. Oh, well, I I appreciate that. Definitely. So before I let you go, Tony, thanks so much for spending a little bit of time with us today. This is my honor. I was looking forward to this. I would love it if, uh, you know, you could just speak to maybe some words of encouragement to the people in the church, you know, both who are listening to the podcast, maybe from our fellowship out here in Monterey or someplace else in the world. And also the leaders that might be coming to the conference, you know, a lot of us are tired, you know, it's been exhausting last couple of years on a lot of levels, right? It has. So what do you got to say to us? How do we keep going? You know, one of the things is that the way we keep going is staying close to Jesus because it's so easy to, um, you know, because to be honest with you, I, I went through, I went through a depression during the pandemic. You're talking about a guy that's a Marine, the guy that's a go, go, go. I, I am an all or nothing person. Uh, and I, I'm going hundred miles per hour all the time. And I went through uh, a, a depression um, because we moved into our new sanctuary and we celebrated our 25th anniversary uh, October of 2019. Um, we, we moved into our new sanctuary every week. It was filling up more and more. And, um, we got to understand before we built out the new sanctuary, we were at four Sunday morning services. Wow. So I was looking forward to going to two. We haven't been at two Sunday morning services in 20, 20 years. So I was looking forward to it. And then Every week it was building up, it was filling up. And I said, oh my goodness, don't tell me we're going to have to go back to three. And then COVID hit. And 
um, you have to understand people. And I, I'm glad I'm doing this because the black community looks at things totally different, looked at COVID totally different than the white community. Mm-hmm. Um, we were told that we're three times more susceptible of getting COVID than everyone else because of our lifestyle, our diet, and all kind of other stuff. So we it, only one third of the church has returned. Only one third. I talked to my friends who pastor majority all white churches out there in California, around the country. They're almost at pre-COVID numbers. Almost. Mm. Only a third has. There's still some black churches that are still close to in-person service. Uh, so that just that just blows my mind because it it has devastated the black community even more. Mm. So um, even though our church is multicultural, it's majority black now. Um, it, it has devastated it. So mm. so I went through a depression because I said I, I said I said to God I said God you allow COVID to kill the church. Even though I know, he said, the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. I know that. I know the theological answers. I know the scriptures. I know that. But practically looking at it, I, 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 and I couldn't believe it. And church is new sanctuary. And for me to be in that new sanctuary at the beginning, talking to a camera, and a brand new empty sanctuary that just that just sent me to a place that I'd never been before mm. and and i I really struggled so wow. um and and it was the first time that I really struggled in my walk and ministry spiritually. Mm. I'm always a go-getter. You you can tell I'm a go-getter. I'm a Marine. I'm yeah. rah, rah, rah. Let's take the hill for Christ. But I tell you, I for a, a few months, I sat in my chair in in my um in my family room and sports was on and it was looking at me, but I was I was lights lights on, ain't nobody home. I, I I was I went through and then I just like David in first Samuel 30 verse five and six, David had to encourage himself in the Lord. I, I had to I had to mm. finally say, dude, you gotta you gotta get up out of this. Mm. So so I had to get up out of this. And and I don't and this is where I want to encourage the other guys. I I don't have a lot of pastor friends. I don't have many. I'm I'm being nice about that, that I really don't have really any. Mm. I got some people that that are called friends, but I really don't have any. And that and that's not good. Mm. You need some folks. This is why I want to invite folks to come out to this conference, because you get to rub shoulders with people that you know that are struggling just like you. Some would try to put on, we know how to put on the pastoral face, mm-hmm. but it's time for us to get real with each other and just say, look, hey, guess what? I'm struggling mm-hmm. and I'm having a tough time and we're, we're tired because we've never been in a ministry environment like this. Uh, th- th- this pandemic 
mid-pandemic, if you can say post-pandemic, because the numbers are kind of going back up, especially in this area. Mm. So it's just crazy um, to be in this type of environment. So I want to encourage guys, yes, you're tired, but there are some people who want to come alongside of you and, and help hold your arms up, who, who's in the battle that's battle-tested, battle-weary, right along with you. And, and the Bible says, bear one another's burden, so fulfill the law of Christ. And that's what Galatians 6 tells us. So we have to do that and not just play the, you know, put on the cheesy pastor smile. Everything's great. Everything, and you know, everything's not great. Let us lean upon one another, pray for one another, because we're, we're, we're in this, we're in this battle together. Tony, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that word in particular to close us out today. Uh, that was so honest and raw. And I think it is a great example of the theme of the whole conference gospel yeah. culture. Yes. You know, sometimes yes. even among pastors, we can have a culture that is not gospel. It's competitive. Or yes. Legalistic. Yes. Or yes. I got it all together. Yeah. But gospel culture is able to say, I am weak and the Lord can make yeah. me strong. I yeah. am blind, yeah. but the Lord can give me sight. And yeah. I need the people around me to help me. Oh, no that doubt. So no Tony, doubt. I'm looking forward to hearing the word that the Lord shapes up and continues yes, yes. to reshape and put in your heart. Yeah. Uh, for those of you that are listening, if you are a pastor or a church worker or a church leader of some type, the CGN, Calvary Chapel International Conference is going to be June 26th to 29th at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa in Southern California. You can go to calvarychapel.com to get all the details about that and get yourself registered. I'm looking forward to a great year. I agree with you, Tony. It's yeah. hard to really say post-COVID, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like we're crossing our fingers, you yes, know, but yes, yes. we need this time. And I'm yeah, uh, really looking forward to it. So can't yeah. wait to see you there, brother. Yes, Thanks sir. And for spending some time with us today. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the honor sharing. Absolutely. God bless. All right. God bless you, bro. We, we pray, pray that, that today's discussion has blessed you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like subscribe and share so we can continue to reach people and make Jesus famous in our lives and the lives around us until next time. God bless.